Welcome to the Lion's Den with Seth, a podcast where progressive men and women can learn and teach each other the ways of the land. The Lion's Den is where royalty comes to counsel. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Seth. Mm, what's going on? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Lion's Den with Seth. I'm one of your hosts today. My name is Seth, and I am here to help you get what you need on this fine Sunday, y'all. This is going to be super, super dope, y'all. The dope show. But before we go into all of that, right, and before I get it in with uh, Larry and our guests, don't forget, y'all, there's still time to donate if you would like to for The Village. And if y'all don't know, The Village is a nonprofit organization in St. Louis that helps mentor young men to get them where they need to be as far as uh, dress and appearance, communication, and just real good mentorship. The Brothers of the uh, 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 the Alphas Fraternity. And if you guys will still like or interested in giving, if you can look at the bottom, the cash app is Lions Cast. Make sure you put in parentheses the village. What we're doing is we're donating board games, y'all. We're getting them all types of board games, cards, unos, dice, dominoes, everything. You know what I'm talking about? We're trying to get them in nice and early and young, right? So again, don't forget to give them their uh, uh, donations. If you're interested, again, then it is actually the Lions Cast. Okay, again, it's Lions Cast. Dollar sign Lions Cast. Make sure you put in the parentheses the village. Right on, right on. Yo, what's going on, Larry? How you feeling, bro? Hey, what's up, man? Another wonderful Sunday evening. Yes, 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 yes. How was your uh, How was your your week going? Your weekend. Hey man, my weekend was been busy as I told you backstage, man. A lot of birthday parties this weekend. You know, we had our first, we had a second flag football game in which we got the W. You know, so that was good. You know, just got back from a TDY. I mean, it's just it's been a crazy hectic week, and then I didn't realize next Sunday is Mother's Day. I'm like, geez, bro, how you forget? How you forget <laughs> next week is Mother's yeah, Day? And I got my son's birthday on Tuesday, man. I'm just about to be broke come by Friday, so yeah, it's just one of them. <laughs> Yeah. Busy, 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 man. Like I said, I started my class, my second MBA class, man. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, human resource methods, man. And just, you know, first paper due the first. I mean, why do you always got to, why you got to do a paper the first week of class, man? Come yo, on. Can we just yo, introduce hey. ourselves? Yo, yo, look, look, look. It's to get you acclimated to all that shit you're going to be doing. <laughs> it's good stuff, you know? though, man. Like I told you, I'm looking forward to it. It's, you know, learning about human resource management, the laws and things that guide, and, you know, equal opportunity and all, all the discriminatory stuff that, the, you know, it's good stuff. I'm looking forward to it. I'm just feeling like I'm overwhelmed right now, though. Oh, man, you'll be all right, brother. It'll be all right. But listen, though, hey, before we go up into it, too, want to give everybody a shout out. The rest of the den that's not here. We got Foots that's in the background hollering at us, holding it but down. We got, yeah, we got Foots. We got Will overseas getting it in for us. You know what I'm saying? He'll be back in a couple of months. Then we got Herm. He taking care of business with his kids. Hey, birthdays, birthdays. birthdays. I feel them. I know it's just, just too much going on, but it, it's that time. But look, before all that, though, I do have to give this brother the right introduction, y'all. Listen, if y'all don't know about the famous DJ Jess, I'm just going to give you a little taint about this brother. And listen, make sure y'all share this, y'all. This is going to be a dope, dope, super dope show. So, but listen, check it out. 
DJ Jess is a New Jersey native, right? Who has been DJing since the age of 13. So like beginning of hip hop, right on. DJ has start out acting and, and hosting before deciding to become a full-time DJ, right? In 2000. So he started his mainstream career um, at the uh, Apachlo. I'm sorry, Apachlo Film Studio. And he and has continued to appear at venues around the world and the United States. So he has a fixture of the uh, at the black, the American Black Film Festival for 10 plus years before moving on. And then in 2010, he made history as the first official DJ for Showtime's Amateur Night at the world famous Apollo Theater in New York City. And that's where I met this brother, y'all. Real talk. I mean, humble, humble dude. And I'm going to go over quick accolades, right, with this brother, right? He's been, he's appeared in HBO Boxing After Dark. He's appeared at Def Comedy Jam All-Star Weekend in Vegas, right? He worked with uh, Cat Will. Williams, uh, Tommy Davis, Mike Epps, Monique, some more. And it, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy what this brother do. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, y'all give my man a warm round of applause. All right, let's get it. <laughs> DJ, that's what it is, brother. How you feeling? I'm blessed, man. I woke up this morning, man. Good to be here with you guys. Yes, yes, man. Yes, man. So, man, I, look, your, your resume is is deep, brother. Super deep, man. So just, just tell the den, brother, what it is, who you are, and actually what got you there. What is it that, that pulled you to where you are today? I mean, um, I'm an entertainer. Um, I go by a DJ, but I consider myself an entertainer because... Um, when I do an event, um, it's more than just playing music. You know, it's about bringing folks together, unifying them through music. So that's where the entertainment part comes in. Um, what got me started is just to love to see people, entertaining people. I mean, uh, I love to entertain folks. And like I said, before I actually became a uh, full-time DJ, I was the hype man, I was the host. So um, I was always in the mix of making people enjoy themselves and bringing parties to life and events, you know, bringing those folks together at an event. So it was just natural for me to, um, you know, be in the mix of that atmosphere. One of the things that really kicked me off, as I was saying, when I first started, I was actually what people know as the um, American Black Film Festival, right? I, I'm sorry, American Black Film Festival right now was once the um, Acapulco Film Festival. That's where it started. Okay. And um, it originated in Acapulco and I was brought down there as a hype man. And the way I actually got back into DJing was, even though I was doing it, I got down there and when they first started this, it was only one DJ and the parties would go from 9 p.m. to 5 a.m. And I remember Kurt asking me, uh, yo, you still playing? I'm like, of course. He said, well, look, these are some long nights. I mean, at that time, the film fest was like 10, 12 days. We were down there a long time. And uh, he was like, well, look, you play from 9 to about 12, 12.30. And then, you know, I'll come in and play. And I'm like, sure, not thinking much of it. But when I got to play and I saw, you know, all these celebrities rocking out to me. It just did something to me. I'm like, yo, when I get back to the States, I want to play. This is like another level, you know? I mean, I'm watching people who are idle, like just rocking out and cause everything was up in a booth and they're pointing to you. And next thing you know, they want you to do some private events, you know? So that that was really like a turning point for me, a turn on. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, look, I'll tell yeah. you this, brother. When I met you uh, down there at the Apollo, man, and I was just watching you on stage, I'm like, man, this brother is rocking this crowd, brother. I mean, to the point where not only did you have the people that was, you know, in the aisles doing the wobble, y'all, you know, it ain't no room in the aisles, but then he had the people come on the stage, right? It was so dope. So dope. But anyway, bro, let, let me get, uh, let Larry get it off with you. Right. And then talking about rocking the crowd, that's what I'm going to talk about with this DJ. So talk to us about what goes into, you know, setting a tempo for DJing and rocking a crowd. Is it based off the requesters, like what they like, do not like, or do you gauge it off the crowd like okay i'm gonna play this kind of music and get the crowd going I'm gonna, you know you just like do you adjust as the crowd you know shows the electric great great question i mean when i do a party um i'm always prepared but i never set a set playlist basically yeah. you know what you do is like you said you read off the crowd right. you know and you have your crates there and as you start to see you know the direction of where you want, where they want to go, you know, because you're following their lead, you know, and when you see them vibe to a certain song, you know, that's the kind of genre where they are right there. So then, you know, I need to go right here and you take them on a journey, you know, and even though you're on that journey, you got them. Once you got them, you can go a little left, a little right. You can kind of sway back because you have them and they're, they're zoned into having a good time. The key to rocking a party is getting the audience or whoever you're trying to entertain in a zone. You know, because once folks get into a zone, no matter pretty much where you go with it, long as it's flowing right, they're going to party with you. Yeah. So the first thing you do is you want to lock them in in a zone and feel their vibe and let them start to feel your energy. Yes. Because it's an ex- when you're partying, it's an exchange of energy. You know, mm-hmm. your energy, my energy, my energy that I give you will set the tone for your heightened up energy, which will feed back to me. You know, mm-hmm. so now we're going back and forth with the energy level, you know, right. and that's what I try to do at every event. Yeah. You know what? It's so funny, man, because I know what it is. And and shout out to those out there that's checking in, y'all, and and sharing this. But because there's individuals that know about the Lions Den, but they don't know that I also DJ. Right. And it is, uh, bro, it's a job job. Right. And so what happens is people say, yo, you know, you mind DJing for X amount. And then you say, "Okay, this is my price. They say, well, I only need you for this long to actually play music. First of all, not only. Am I working? But I'm bringing my stuff. You dig what I'm saying? And whatever you do dealing with the music microphones, that's still mine. But you said something that made uh, some sense. When you grab the crowd, you have to find out, like you said, that sweet spot. But then what I can't stand and tell me what you do about this. It's the outliers that say, well, look, why don't you play this song? No one is going to mess up your set. Right. Because, Bob, now, what do you do with that, bro? Uh, pretty much ignore them, okay? Because the thing about not trying to be funny, but I mean, I get cats will come up and I got a dance for of hundreds of folks, thousands of folks rocking out, and he don't found him a cutie in the corner that he want to map to, and he want to go to a slow dance, you know? And I'm looking at him like, are you kidding me? Bro. You know? But like the good part about now is. Most of the time when I play, my team's there, so they will answer the question from somebody who's coming to me, you know, so I really don't get interfered with like that anymore. They'll be like, what do you want? And if it's something reasonable, they'll come and tell me. If it's not, they'll be like, you know, they'll, whatever they do with them, you know. Um, I'm tell you, back in the early days, I ne- I, I'll never forget this. I'm up in Boston, and I'm playing, and it was after party, 
after a show I had done with Monique. And um, we're doing an after party. And um, next thing I know, I had this guy standing. I mean, we're like toe to toe. And he's like, so when you're going to play the reggae? I'm like, what the fuck did you? Excuse my friends. Where did you come from? How did you get in here? He said, you play some reggae, but it wasn't enough. Almost like a threat, yo. So I'm sitting here like, okay, these circumstances have to change now. But, yo, it's amazing, man, when people want something how they want it, you know. So from that point on, I always made sure somebody was, like, right there because ain't nobody supposed to be able to just get that close, you know, for certain things. But it's amazing. When they want what they want, they want what they want. Bro, they want it, right? And then, listen, they will stand there until they hear they shit. Like, mm-hmm. like they ready. You know. Let me tell you. This is about four years ago. I did uh, a 50th birthday party. And I fit it into the schedule and everything. So everybody at the party having a good time. Grooving. So the kid comes up. Her son. He comes up and he goes... Yeah, we need some of this. And, you know, 50 is a mature party, but he wanted some of, uh, I said, earlier hip hop, which is really, to me, you know, it can be kind of ratchet. It can be a lot to the left compared to the party that I'm doing. So I'm like, dude, your mom's the one type of music. He's like, I'm the one paying you. I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, it's not that type of party and da-da-da, da-da-da. So he went on about his business. He come back, he said, I ain't going to tell you again, I'm paying you. I said, look. This is the second time. I said, you got to chill out. You know, I said, what I'm a man. I mean, what's going on? Was he a little lit? When he first came, I mean, he wasn't overly saucy enough not to know he knew what he was doing. Yeah. You know, trying to. So I look at my dude. I was like, yo, if he comes back one more time, we are out. I said, because in my in my contract, it states any, any conditions where it becomes a hazard, mm-hmm. we don't rock out anymore. You know, so he came for the third time and it's probably only about 15 minutes left in the party. But but by the time he came in, I'm a little aggravated because I'm like, dude, now you're like right here. So uh, my team is like, I was like, no, no, we're not going to make this an ugly party. We good. We good. And I just quietly turned the music off and said, that was it. And the mother walked, I said, I said, no. I said, your son's been up here three times. I said, I know you done seen him. I explained to you the first time. Could you please? I said, it says it. You know, I I, I, I can't work. I don't want to work like that. I can't say I can't. I, I have no reason to work like that. You know, so, but. So what, what was, happened? I mean, like, yo. Uh, we packed up and we left. <laughs> but you, got, you still got your bread, though. Oh, I, I, I'm paid before I finish. I don't take any, nobody pays me uh, before I, I never get paid after an event. I'm already paid when I'm in the room right. because j- just for situations like that, right. because if you don't, then they can withhold your money. Then you got to go back and forth. Before I hit a room, I'm already paid. That's mm-hmm. just, that's the business side of it. Good. You know, uh, my team takes care of that. Good. You know, um, because like, especially like back in the day when I did a whole lot of weddings, you know, if you would do a wedding, you know, the bride and the groom get caught up in the stuff, you know, <laughs> so sometimes they can filter out and forget, you know, these are all early, early lessons I learned in the early 2000s, yeah. you know, so by the time I became really mainstream, you know, I learned, my team learned, you know, there's certain only one way we do a business. You know, um, you know, and it's 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 always great to have a team because then you don't have to look like the bad guy. You yeah. know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if you guys are on the team with me and you're my face, well, I is my face, you know, they're mad at them and not me. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and I learned that because um, actually before I became, um, in 2010, before I took on the Apollo gig, I used to actually be the um, manager for um, Michael K. Williams. And most of you guys know Michael K. Williams. I used to be his personal manager, Michael K. Williams from The Wire, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was his personal manager. So, like, when we were out um, and we would do appearances, you know, I was the guy that would um, be like, okay, um, we got to go. You know, so it would never look make him look like, you know, he didn't want to be bothered and stuff because, you know, it, it just continues. Like, when people come up to you, more people see who you are, and then it just keeps trickling. And next thing you know, you know, it's no end to it, you know. And even though, you know, he loved to get back to the folks and take all the pictures and stuff like that, you know, you, you are on the schedule. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, you, everybody can't, you know, get what they want. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, question for you. Uh, uh, you it sounds like you've been ninjaing for a long time, right? So I want to talk about the advance in technology. So I heard wow. you mention some crates, right? <laughs> Were you in the 80s stretching and mixing? And then how have you advanced with, with the, uh, and I don't forgive me, I don't know much about DJing, but I know it, you can stream music and iPods and all that. What was that oh, crate like going from the crates to whatever they use now? And then that DDJ, bro, you remember how, how heavy that mug was? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I it's like a whole different world because back then, not only did you have quick crates, but you had equipment. Gotcha. So, and as you did it more, you know, you would have to figure out what crates you'd want to do, you know, because like bringing, you could end up with 20 crates easily. You know, so you had to figure out what you were going to do that night. So, you know, you had to have a van and you load that up. And I mean, it got it was what you did. So you didn't really think about it. You know, you you made the move. You always had a team because you didn't want to do this by yourself. You know, um, but like the, the fast forward, it's amazing how technology is today, because we do some of the biggest parties with the least amount of equipment, but it's so powerful. You know, it's like people be like, that's all you got. And then they'll hear the sound. They're like, wow. You know, it's like, I mean, and I'm an equipment guy. So my guys, and we are always, as my wife would say, buying too much. So, um, but it's like technology now swings so much. And I'll tell you a quick story. I think it was, I can't remember exactly what it was. And I had already switched over to doing the CDs and the laptop and everything. Okay. So I wasn't um, out there with crates anymore. And a good friend of mine, Debrick, he said, yo, come help me with a party. And I'm like, I'm off today. You know, you're one of my mentors. I'll come out. Seth, when we got out there, the brother opened the van. He had crates for days. I was hurt, yo. I was like, oh, Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh, I was getting sick, yo. I wanted to call out sick, yo. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I said, I don't really do, you know, this anymore, you know. <laughs> and I'm taking them off and I'm like, like I hope anybody watching me. This is different. You know? And I remember doing the party and the next day I called him. I said, look, we gotta have a meeting. I said, dude, you gotta get with the time. I said, right. I said, you do records, but you got to do the records in your house. Right. At least go up to the CD books, you know, because once you went from that, you went to the CD books. Mm-hmm. You had the physical crates. And I mean, they were like this. And he had the dolly. He pulled out the back. Whoa. What? I was wow. like, that's what I said. Wow. <laughs> you know, 
And I'm sneaking to make a phone call like, yo, he got crazy, dude. You <laughs> fine. If he was on, he'd tell you the story. He was like, yo, you clown me. I said, I must say I did, yo. But it was like, yo. But you know, it's it's it takes a minute to to really get comfortable because I remember my transition from CDJs, C, um, CDs to a laptop. Mm-hmm. I had the equipment almost a year and a half or two before I actually started using it. See, it was a it's a culture shock though, ain't it? You know what I'm talking about? Because oh my that, god, that the DDJ, you know what I'm talking about, it, and then getting it. So how was that transition for you? It was like you said, it was scary because you know you're thinking about a laptop um, crashing on you. You're thinking about all this stuff, but once you did it. It was like, oh, my God, what took me so long? Mm -hmm. So then you spend hours, you know, getting your music game right. Because Mm -hmm. now everything that you got in these books, you got to get on the laptop, you know. Mm -hmm. And now you're, you know, between downloading and calling your friends and taking people hard drive and making it happen. It's a process. Yeah. You know, the process now is even a, a lot easier. You know, yeah. um, but back then, you know, when it was first, you know, with Napster and all that stuff like that, you know, um, it was a little tougher, you know, because right. they were threatening you and they were like, yo, if you do this, they can. so, but now you, it's, it's the way, to, it's the way of t- today, you know, it is, it, it is. is the way. And, you know, here, I want to ask, ask this question, too, from Foot. Shout out again to Foot. She says, what are uh, some keys that individuals need to know before getting into the world of DJing? Because he would always ask me, you know, like, you know, and let me tell you something about Foots, though. Shout out to Foots, man. But look, look, while, while I'm spinning, he's like, yo, Scoob, you got to show me how to DJ. Like, right while I'm doing this shit, right? I'm like, yo, we got to, you know what I'm saying, and, and take some time. But you do have those individuals that truly, truly want to get into the game. So what would you say is the most uh, pivotal, not necessarily pivotal, pivotal point, but the best information you can give them before they actually start? Uh, my best information would be to tell somebody, first thing you got to figure out is you want to make this a hobby or you want to make this a career, okay? Mm-hmm. And if you want to make it a hobby, just have fun with it, mm-hmm. okay? Um, do it when you can, you know, um, and just have fun with it. But if you're making it a career, something that you want to do, you got to be ready to lose sleep. Okay. Um, you got to be ready to practice and understand that the best way to practice is by playing a lot. The best way to feel comfortable is by doing events. And this is a process that takes time. Okay. Um, every once in a while, you'll get lucky, you know, and you will go from zero to 100 like that. But that's not always going to happen so you got to do a lot of things to get your feet wet and like i said you got to do a lot of practice and you gotta um i would tell somebody to when you're first going out make your box about that big and i say your box that big is master a certain genre don't go from here to there from here to there you know if you're an r&b person you know get that r&b music and master that or the little hip-hop and then kind of branch out you know, because you, you can't go all over the place. Once you master that and you start to feel comfortable, then you can expand, you know, what you start to do, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, you know, just understand that, you know, there are a ton of DJs out there. I mean, so with that said, you know, um, you're going to have people that are for you, you're going to have people that are against you. You know, 
build yourself as you go along, you know, attach yourself to some DJs who are willing to let you ride along to see how this ride is going to be, you know, and have them, they're going to do some events and ask them if you could do maybe 10 or 15 minutes of their event in the very beginning, you know, um, not to throw you to the wolves, but if you do that little 10, 15, maybe as you build up 30 minutes set in the beginning, you get comfortable, you know, um, and it goes from there. And then eventually, you know, you'll get your own parties, you know, or create a party that you can play at once you feel comfortable, you know. But it's, I think all DJs need to find a mentor to help them, you know, because somebody has to open the smallest of doors for you, you know. So that's where a mentor comes in, you know. And like I said, there are some folks, plenty of DJs out there willing to do that. And then there's some folks that, you know, won't won't feel like they want to do that for whatever reasons, you know, um, me, you know, um, I have plenty of, uh, DJs who shadow me, you know, or will ask me questions or ask me for music. And I'm always open for that because I mean, I'm blessed enough that I got a lot of assistance as I was coming up, you know, um, opening doors for me, you know, and I mean, I must admit once some of the doors were open for me, I kind of like bogarted my way. I mean, I'm the type of dude that ain't taking no for an answer. Um, if you invite me to an event or if I'm going to go somewhere, I'm always thinking how I'm going to make this benefit me even more. I'm never complacent. So wherever I go, whatever I do, you know, at the end of the day, I'm looking to come out of this with more work or ahead of where I was, you know, um, I never forget, um, prime example was, um, I was reading a paper one day, years, years ago. Um, and I saw where there was a Catholic school, big, big time Catholic school for basketball was closing, but they were having a fundraiser, um, for the school to try to keep it open. And, um, uh, my, my wheels start spinning and, um, I call and I was like, hi, I'm DJ Jeff, da, 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 da. I said, Hey, you having a fundraiser that I, for the school? She said, yeah. I said, well, I'd like to donate my services. And she was like, well, she said, did you say donate? I was like, yeah, I'd like to donate my services. And uh, she's like, well, wow, really? Yeah. She said, well, I'll call you back. And probably within a couple of hours, they called me back and they told me, we'd love for you to be here. But what it does, what it did for me was um, there were some of the biggest names in sports in this event. And that got me to rub elbows with them and make connections, you know? So, Sometimes everything is about the monetary part of it. You know, it's about a connection, you know, mm-hmm. but you got to be smart enough to make sure, you know, that you, you're figuring out how, to, how stuff benefits you. You know what? You know what? Hold on, brother. And listen, I you, you said something. You said so many, so many just great, 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 great words. And and it, it just makes so much sense because I remember when I met you, I was I was already DJing, but my my uh i guess my circumference of awareness was still small you see what i'm saying because mm-hmm. you, you know how it is when you try to you know reach out to certain djs some will look out for you some kind of see you as a threat for no reason like yo i'm just starting you did but i do want to say though i do thank you for allowing me to even be on that stage brother and i mean seeing things from your perspective and looking at the damn apollo like i said before every time i get that that reminder uh, on facebook like yo i have to like this changed my life and that taught me something very important that we have the opportunity 
to help change other people's lives just by doing something that's for free. Like it costs you nothing to do what you did for me. You get what I'm saying? Costs absolutely nothing. And it has since helped change my life, but other individuals' lives because now I see what paying it forward looks like. And then also to your point, you it isn't always about the money, but it is about the purpose behind it. You know what I'm saying? And being able to serve, man. So look, y'all, hey, hopefully y'all are digging this and, and, and getting these dimes. Y'all, we got my man's DJ Jess up in the building. Y'all listen, we got to take a little pause for the cause. Y'all know what it is, right? We got to pay these bills. But if y'all are enjoying this, please make sure y'all share, 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 share this, okay? Because we are going to get into a little bit of history of the Apollo. Look, you you, you think you know what it is, but you don't. You just watch it like every, every you know, uh, like what's a week or something like that. But it's a history behind it, okay? But we will be right Right back. Monique Slater is a top negotiating, award-winning real estate agent in San Antonio, Texas. Her focus is on educating and empowering individuals on building general wealth through home ownership while providing exponential service with integrity and excellence. Although her heart is for serving first-time homeowners and the military community, her clientele ranges from $100,000 to $2.5 million. Monique has developed an awesome team that can get anyone into a home and has sold homes in less than six hours. After servicing the Air Force for over 28 years, retired Chief Slater has a massive network so she can connect you with an awesome agent anywhere in the U.S. And if you're in San Antonio or relocating there, give Monique a call first to help you find your dream home. Give Monique a call at 210-237-7268. As a financial literacy coach and credit repair specialist, Tracy Brown teaches people the importance of personal finance and help them identify and dispute negative items in their credit reports. Her services allow individuals to leverage the Fair Credit Report Act to improve their overall credit score and credit history to position themselves for home ownership, lower interest rates, entrepreneurship, and general wealth. Give Tracy Brown a call at 618-560-3687. One more time, 618-560-3687. One thing we can cherish during these times is family dinners. Think about it. The nice, succulent, southern fried chicken, baked beans cooked to perfection, creamy macaroni and cheese, cornbread. You get the point. Come check out Kevlar's Grill, where all the meals are cooked with perfection, professionalism, and love. Located outside the Scott Air Force Base back gate inside the VFW is where you can find them. Also, they have military discount for all of our serving members. Give them a call. Their number is 618-416-5700. And that's inside Scott VFW post 4183. And they also have Grubhub. Call them now and tell them that the Lions Den sent you. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Seth with the Lion's Den. Are you or someone you know looking for a tool to help them be more accountable? Check out the Black Collar Mindset, the art of strategic thinking. It's a manual to help maneuver through life strategically by holding yourself accountable every step of the way. Go to theblackcollarmindset.com to grab your copy today. Again, the website is theblackcollarmindset.com. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Let's get it together. Yo, everybody, welcome back. Welcome back, y'all. We got the world famous 
DJ Jess up in the building from the Apollo. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. Yo. Yeah, y'all, listen here. Yo, he's dropping so much, so much, so much jewels in here. Hopefully, y'all can pick it up and do something with it. But we're about to touch a little bit of this history real smooth. What you got, Larry? Yeah, let's talk about the Apollo, right? Because I remember I, we was talking backstage, you know. It's like, man, I grew up on the Apollo. It was like the the the, the prereq before Three Stooges, right? So if, <laughs> if I could make it to the Apollo, I knew the Three Stooges was coming on an hour, hour and a half later, right? So, you know, and in Apollo, you got to bring it. So I don't know what it was like for the DJ. I know it's like for the performers. And, uh, you know, we didn't get to see commercial breaks. And I'm pretty sure that's probably where you made your money, right? Yeah. In the crowd while they were on, you know, intermission. Talk about well, what was the uh, what what's the pressure? Because I know New York can be hard on anybody when it comes to music, especially DJs. So yeah. that. Uh, it, I mean, when I the good part about the Apollo is I was I started there beforehand because I did several concerts there, so I've been on that stage, but. It's a whole different feeling when you're there week after week for a show and you have to entertain folks. The difference with the Apollo is, you know, people don't realize that um, when you're entertaining them, it's a tourist attraction. So there's people from all over the world. So what you're doing is you have to read them really quick. So my first, my first time on the Apollo with Amateur Night, let me tell you, um, the butterflies were there. My mind was all over the place because, again, you know, uh, I'm opening the show. So I'm the first thing people see or hear, you know. So when I went out there, you know, um, I just wanted to get that first song out. Once you get the first song out, then you start to move along. But to be honest, it actually took me um, about two years to get comfortable. I know that sounds like a long time because we average about 44 shows a year. So you're talking about 80 shows roughly before and I before I got comfortable. And I think the reason it took so long is because I'm a critic of myself. And I kept trying to figure out, you know, what would fit. You know, because each night is different at the Apollo. So my whole thing was. I was trying to fit, find out what would fit and what would make me comfortable. And I remember riding home with my wife. And, I, I, and the funny part is the crowd loves you. But in your mind, you know, you know, there's something missing or I could do this or I could do that. And one day it just hit me that um, personally, I felt like I was trying to do too much in the time allotted for my sets. So once I learned how to do what I do within the time that was allotted for all my sets, it made a world of difference. You know, I stopped beating myself up and understand to just enjoy the crowd the way they, way they were enjoying me. Mm-hmm. So it made a world of difference, you know, um, but I can't say the same for, you know, acts that go up there. Cause I mean, it, the, the Apollo could be a brutal spot for- Bruh, uh, listen, <laughs> I saw that, what, woo. Oh, bro. Hey, listen, let me tell you something about New York, y'all. If if nobody ever been, (laughs) listen, they don't give a damn. Look, if it ain't right, it ain't right. They gonna let you know you ain't. Now, wait, what's it? No, didn't see the Sandman. Didn't see the Sandman. But you know when it took something for the crowd to kind of change and sway their emotions. You know what I'm talking about? It take a lot. You know, funny part about that is like, 
you would rather for somebody to stare at you when you ain't doing that good as opposed to start booing and doing this. Once they do that, it's just a matter of time before the siren comes on and CP comes out. Because now, you know, our, our execution is CP Lacey. Right, right, right. And once once you see CP come out, you know, sometimes it's so, so crazy because the act will still be singing and not realize he's standing yeah. behind them. And they're like, and they're doing all this. And, you know, me and CP talk a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And we're laughing because, you know, we get to see a lot before the show goes on. So you can kind of get an idea who's going to make it. This ain't going to be good, you know. So you get all that. So between us and, you know, all the stage hands, everybody can see this coming, you know, because you'll, you'll get the list because we get our list. And you know, say, okay, in the second half, the first act is about to go in. You know, this is not going to be good. And, man... We see it with no fans, you know, no guests in the seat. But once the we got this sold out show and they start going in, oh, and then then you have to go back down, you have to go downstairs to the green room, and you just sit there for a second because it's like it's it's, mm, you know, they're just sitting there amongst the folks who got through it and the ones that are about to go, you know, and you know, I don't care how much somebody comforts you and say, yo, don't worry about it. That hurts. And then, and then, and then that big ass screen. So everybody was watching you. You know what I'm talking about? They watching you, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, but listen, talk about and shout out to Foots again. And I know the world has a question about the log. You want to tell them what that really is? Just that log. Sure. That everybody touch. It's called. It's called a tree of hope. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The tree of hope is actually a tree because the original um, tree came from the original uh, Lafayette Theater where it first started before they moved to the actual Apollo. And they actually cut that tree down in 1934 and brought it around and it became the tree of hope. And it's a tree that everybody, before they go on stage, has the rub for good luck. And you actually get some people who will walk out there to get the rub and they stop everything and make them go back because it's just like a signature, you know? And it's been there since 1934 when the Apollo um, first started amateur night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the we, Apollo used to actually be a stand-up theater, mm-hmm. you know, without seats, you know, when it first started. And one of the first um, persons to win the Apollo was Ella Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh, wow. um, yeah, she was the first winner of the Apollo, Ella Fitzgerald. Um, then you have, like, I mean, there's been the crazy part is, I mean, everybody who is somebody has performed, whether they're African-American white folks, you know, they come there and they're in awe of the theater. You know, people don't realize that Luther was booed at the Apollo. He booed off the stage. But the one thing I must say about Luther is Luther was booed off in a group. He wasn't solo. Mm -hmm. He was in a group and his group got booed off. But Luther vowed never to come back. He was hurt. And uh, what people don't realize is Luther actually at the age of about 14 or 15, used to give out flyers in front of the Apollo. He worked for the Apollo giving out flyers mm. for shows. Yeah, yeah. Him uh. and Billy Mitchell used to do that. Billy Mitchell, he's still there. He's called Mr. Apollo. Mm-hmm. And he actually um, presented an award at this uh, latest um, Grammys. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, Mr. Mitchell. I mean, if you want like history, history, if you ever come to ask him for a tour, Billy will give you a toy. I mean, Billy is... I call him the Apollo because 
he started out hanging out in the back because yeah, because it's a playground in the back now, but it used to be apartments because there's a school there. And his aunt lived there and he had to go down there to uh, get some from his aunt. And he was waiting for her to come. And one of the guys who uh, worked at the Apollo came and was like, hey kid, you want to make some money? And Billy got nervous because, you know, make some money could mean anything. But he was like, nah, nah, not like that. He said, uh, you want to run to the store, do errands for, you know, all the acts that come through here? And he's like, sure. You know, and Billy became, you know, that the, the running man at first. You know, he ran and got people like James Brown, Marvin Gaye, and all them, any act that came through there, whatever they needed. You know, and uh, the funny thing is Billy wasn't doing too good in school. And, um James Brown asked him to see his report card. And when Billy wasn't doing that good, he said, you can't come back here until you do good. Wow. So that made, yeah, that made him change his old act. And um, James Brown and Marvin Gaye actually paid for him to go to college. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Mitchell now is like on top of the world. You know, he is, and he's the most humble and generous person that you want to meet, you know, till this day, you know, and, that's what I want to be. You know, I never want to get bigger than what I'm doing. Absolutely. And he does, you know. So, I mean, the history in the Apollo just goes on and on. I mean, it's amazing to watch superstars come to the Apollo. Mm -hmm. And Apollo has, from the main dressing rooms downstairs to fifth floor uh, dressing rooms. And it could give you the fifth floor dressing room and you're still happy. Because mm -hmm. that's the ambiance of that theater. You know, I was sit. I never forget um, sitting um, stage left um, with Aretha Franklin just before she was about to perform. And, you know, she's sitting there and she's talking to a manager and she's like, how many times she's been there? She's just still so ready to do this. Same thing with Lionel Richie. You know, these, when these folks come back, they love the Apollo. Man, you know what? Let me tell you something, Jess, and shout out to everything that you've done and even the things that you've seen, man. But uh, who phone is that? Is that yours, Larry? That, that's no, that's, that's probably me, man. Oh, that's your phone? Yeah, let me. Hey, Not me, man. Yeah, I'm like, who is this jingle jangling all over the day? <laughs> that's my ring, with you, that's my ring man. No, no, that was me. No, no, so but look, hey, shout out to what uh Lily Wilson said. She was like, Hey, they got the same church song so don't get booed off, right? Hey, listen, as soon as they start singing about Jesus, they, they ain't gonna boo him. They like you know and that is so funny, man. Because Capone, Capone they'll they'll tease them, they're like, Yeah, he sung that he sung that gospel song. Because people I've seen people <laughs> singing and then they'll kind of be like, Never could have made it like where that come from. You know, they, they switch up quickly or they don't get booed off. Because they ain't want to get booed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the, the, the craziest part, too, is I've been blessed enough to do, you know, gospel concerts with Yolanda Adams, Hezekiah, you know, Donald Lawrence, and all those cats. And, I mean, a gospel concert, the energy in there, you know, I set the tone with the pre, but then when they come out, I'm I, even though I'm part of the show, I'm a fan. I'm like, feel like I'm like buying this ticket because I got a front row seat, you know? Um, and that's one of the blessings. I mean, like some of the stuff that I've been blessed to do, you know, I just had to pinch myself because, you know, the people that, you know, I'm on the bill with, it's just like, wow. Right. Right. You know, you know what? And that's something else too. I want to talk to you about, man, because um, you actually gave me 
uh, the opportunity to have that experience when we were in the hallway. I don't know if you, of course, you remember this because you, you, you know, you remember all types of shit. So we was in the hallway and I'm looking around. I'm seeing all these names on the wall. Right. Like, I'm like, wait a minute. This is Jackson fives. I've seen uh, Curtis uh, blow. I saw Bill Clinton name. Like, what the fuck? You're like, you know, Rock. What I'm yeah, everybody. Right. And then so you got a pen for me, like a, a marker and say, don't let anyone tell you you don't belong. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm about to put my name on this wall, bro. Like, I would never forget that. But if you don't mind, what do you what, what do you think about telling or 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 what would you tell individuals as far as finding their space, right? To 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 make sure that they are where they need to be. What would you say to them? I mean, it's a commitment. You know, you you, you won't find your space unless unless you're committed to what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, getting your full potential means that you're going to go all in. And when you go all in, that means that you're not scared to fail. OK, because you're reaching for something that, you know, maybe a handful of people will actually get. But at least you can say that you went for it. So never be scared to reach for whatever you're going for. You know, and then that'll start the ball rolling towards where you can actually really go, you know, because no one can determine how successful you are, you know, because success doesn't mean that you're doing some of the things I've done. Success means that you're happy with how you're doing it and where you're doing it. You know what I'm saying? So don't, don't, like, I always tell people, you know, don't try to set expectations or goals that are too far. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You just try to stay consistent, okay? Give people a reason to reach out to you, you know, do things that people will, will take notice to, and just keep going. And what's meant for you will come your way. You can't control what's not meant for you. You know, people ask me, you know, well, don't you want to do this or do that? I would love to, but I'm not going to harp on it because I've been blessed already, you know, and what's meant for me. I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I can't do everything. I'm not trying to do everything. But I do want to stay consistent, you know, with entertaining folks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, oh. What you got, Larry? Hey, I got a question about, or not a question, but I want you to chime in on the career opportunities that come with DJing, right? So you have satellite radio, commercial radio, you got wedding events, movies. Uh, special TV events. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And you spoke about being able to, um, you know, master one general music, but also I, I would chime in if you can master one, but being able to, if you want to be a, a, a reputable name in this business, you got to expand across multiple genres of music, right? So I know Seth used to DJ for the Marines, all right? And you think about the Marines. I don't know if hip hop is probably their primary music, right? So I'm just throwing it out there, but I'm just saying across across the audience, if you want to really, in, in, you know, build upon your DJing experience, how important is it to be able to, you know, be able to navigate navigate through your audience? And, and, oh, and, yeah. it's very it's very important. I mean, when I said do one genre, that's just yeah. to make you comfortable. Right. Okay, um, there's nothing or nowhere I can't play. I mean, um, I walk in some places sometime and I'm the only black guy in there mm-hmm. and they're wondering mm-hmm. 
who hired me and how did I get here? You know, and then I wanted to do an event yep. and, you know, so much more work comes behind that, you know? So you definitely, if you don't want to be in a box as you grow, mm-hmm. learn to play everything. And the, th- the thing you have to do is, you know, um, first of all, you got to know when you cross over to another genre, what's in that genre, yep. you know? And then when you find out what is in that genre, okay, when you're in your lab, wherever you, you play at, you know, you have to start to master that, you know, and you can master that by going to, one thing that I did a lot early was go to events just to be in the crowd to see what moved the crowd. You know, it could be the corniest party, but I'm in there because I'm trying to do my homework, you know, and it's one thing to listen to what's popping on the radio. It's another thing to see what people are grooving to in person. So if I'm in this, in this, say it's all white event or all Jamaican event, if I'm in there and this song pops, I need to know this song pops. So when I need to start a party off, I, I need to take a party to another level. I know what does that, you know? And again, I tell people all the time, you know, you know, with the day, way technology is today, build your crates. And then those crates, they should be labeled what they do, you know? So you're, not trying to figure out where you're going. You know where you're going. And if you open a crate and it has 500 songs in there, you have 500 choices that you know that work. You know, so that's all about preparing yourself and definitely, definitely, you know, um, don't limit yourself because I know some of the greatest DJs, you know, out here, but they only play a certain type of music. So they're not getting called on other stuff. You know, right. or when they get called on other stuff, you know, they'll hit me up and ask me, can I do a set of this or that? Mm-hmm. You know, because I, that, that they, they, they just don't want to do it or they, they're not capable of doing it, you know. And I never want to be the one who can't do anything, you know. I mean, now you speak, able to speak your language, let me play your music. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and that, that's where I'm at. And, and no, no, that makes a lot of sense. And for those of you that don't understand what he means as far as the crates, especially in the digital world, you have files, right? So right, exactly. when, when you hit your files, you can name or title your files like uh, twerking music. That's what I got. I got twerking. And then I got a uh, line dance, right? Then I got, you, you get what I'm saying? A uh, ballroom dance. And so it's a way that, like you said, you go out, you do your homework, like, okay, boom. I see what the people are doing as they're moving. I need that because I want that hot set. Hey, but look, shout out to Chief Slay. She asked a question, brother. She says, how has the pandemic affected your work? The pandemic paused my work, but it made me better. Because it it gave me a chance to not only regroup and uh, go through everything I had going on and kind of put things in order because um, my schedule is crazy. and I got a great team, shout out to Team Jess, um, who holds me down, you know, but it was nice to take a pause to actually have a lot of meetings, you know, through Zoom and telephone calls to like just get caught up on a lot of major stuff. But what the um, pandemic did was it allowed me to reinvent some things. Um, and one of the things I reinvented was um, I was on radio and I remember them, um, well, actually, myself, I was like, I really don't want to go into the station right now. Uh, I want to do my show from home. So we agreed upon that. But when I was home, um, every DJ that you can think of was online. 
and while everybody was online, you know, they were kind of playing type of the same thing. So I kind of paused the radio and said I wanted to do something different. So what I did was um, I created what is now known as the Grown Folks Lounge. And I took the genre from a lot of uptempo stuff to making it more like a uh, quiet storm type thing, quiet mellow music at night, but taking it back to all the classics. And um, it was amazing. I would sometimes go on at 10 o'clock and we would stay on the two or three in the morning. And even when I was ready to sign off, people were like, don't go because we had nothing but time. And that went on for months, you know, and then uh, I remember that stuff started to quietly open up in the little past summer, excuse me, um, I wasn't able to do it as much. But then in the fall, um, I said, I got to get back because people were asking me, Yo, when are we going to do this? When are we going to do Because I got hooked and I got hooked. And uh, around November, I started to be able to play a little bit more with that. And then I created a page for it. And then lo and behold, the page sat there for a few months. But in January, New Year, I said, I got to launch this page. And I launched the page. And that was like January 4th. And I never forget. I mean, it took off like a wildfire. And now it's known as Grown Folks Lounge 2020. And nice. we are like 35,000 plus members. And it's just, it's a musical site that just allows me to take people on a musical journey. I added what is called the Gospel Lounge on Sunday. So we go to church every Sunday that I'm here at 12 noon, you know, so we can praise the man up above because he has blessed so many of us to still be here, you know. Mm -hmm. So I was able to reinvent, restructure some stuff, and um, it helped me. You know, it really did. You know, everybody needs a pause, but, you know, unless something makes you pause, you're not going to pause. So, you know, I took advantage of it, you know. Dope, dope. That's yeah. super dope, man. Well, look, man. Hey, so I know you you do so many things, brother. I know you do so many things out there. And look, and look, and look, and look you, you got your people chiming in. They, you know, they probably buzzing you right now. I know. And look, ladies and gentlemen, if y'all watching this still, make sure y'all look in the comments. Make sure that y'all, if y'all digging this show, you go and make sure that you give this a review, yo, because we got... DJ Jess in here, man. But look, somebody asked a question. And real quick, what is it that keeps you humble? My team, okay, my wife, my kids, I mean, and my moms. Uh, bless my mom's up in heaven. She's no longer with us. But um, can I tell two quick stories real quick? Yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I lost my mom in October 2019, uh, unfortunately. Um, but about a year and a half before that, um, my brother, unfortunately, my older brother passed away and it hit my mother really hard. Um, uh, I've never seen my mother in so much pain in my life. And, um, you know, my mother and my brother were like this, and that was because they lived on top of each other and they were, they ran a business together. So my mother and my brother were extremely close. I mean, me and my other brothers were good, but they were like two peas in a pot and, when my mother saw my brother, because I was in the hospital, my brother passed me and my mother was there along my wife. It was like, it was so unreal because they were trying to bring my brother back and my mother um, passed out and they were working on her on one end and working my brother on the other end. Of course, my mother was okay. But like I said, I never seen my mother so hurt. And my mission was to make sure my mother was okay. So I decided to bring my mother pretty much into everything I was doing. 
so she wouldn't be alone and she wouldn't think about my brother too much. So she traveled with me. She was everywhere. And I never forget just before she passed away, um, she came to a show at the Apollo. And my wife brought her on stage during the intermission and she's up there, she's dancing, having a good time. And my mother, as long as she's ever seen me um, play, she's never asked me for a kiss on stage. She's like, give me a kiss. And I'm looking at my mother like I'm doing a show, but okay, I guess my mother. And she had such a look of how proud she was, you know, that will forever stick with me. And I was, I was good after that. You know, I was so good, you know. Um, and, you know, just between her and my wife and my kids, they just, you know, they, they treat me just like I'm a normal person. Like I'm just, I'm a husband, I'm a father, you know. Um, and I think it took them a little while to understand, you know, they would, it'd be That's funny because we'd be, we'd be out and about and, you know, people would stop and talk to me and they call me the mayor because, you know, I'm humble to talk to everybody. But when they first started, they would be there. Next thing you know, I'd have to catch up to them, you know, but it's it's a family thing that keeps me humble. And I understand that as quick as it is here today, it could be gone tomorrow, you know, because you don't block your blessings by being rude to folks, you know. So kudos to my family because they yes. definitely are my rock. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, so look, final word. Hey, uh, Larry, what you got, brother? Hey, man, I'm gonna hit you with this. So, in two years, I hit my 40th birthday, right? And what I would envision is like a 90s thing party with hip hop music, uh, and RB, but I want to take it back to the 60s and bring it all the way up to the 90s because I think that's a that's just the best genre of music. Right, self don't know this, but I'm pinging him to be the DJ. Right, Damn. so when I take that, what, what my point with all of this is that I pay homage to you guys for what you do. You have an ear to music, your intellect to to move the audience is pivotal to a to being a life of the party. And I, I pray that you guys keep mentoring the young folks that keep coming up to keep this going to make sure they understand the importance of music in general because it speaks to the soul. I don't think we really truly understand that. And some of us like her think we're playlist masters. We yeah. just put a playlist together. That's not it. Like it takes, like you said, doing your homework and being able to expand upon just the whatever general you master or being able to be multitask. I think that's pivotal. So I thank you for what you do. I thank you for the history lesson and appreciate you for coming on to the show and showing Thank you for having me, Larry. I appreciate you for having me. Yeah. So what you got for for the people, Jess, man? Hey, I want to give you give you the opportunity, man, to, to to tell them anything, how they can find you, brother. Anything you want to say to your team, anything, brother. You got the floor. Thank you, thank you. I mean, you can find me um, also on all social media sites at Apollo underscore DJ Jess, or you can visit my fan page at Apollo's own DJ Jess. Um, I have so many events. I'm blessed. Uh, if you're in the tri-state area, next Sunday at Arugas in North Plainfield, which is 1250 Route 22, that whole weekend, me and uh, my great partner, Marlon Randolph from Team Back to the Essence, will have four big shows up there, 5, 7, 30, 10 p.m. and a Mother's Day matinee at 4. So come on up there. You can catch me at the Stress, Stack, Stress Factory on Mother's Day at 1, and then I'll head over to Arugas. Um, 
and just follow me. Um, I got great things. I got winery parties coming up. I got old school parties I've been invited to do. Um, I have something I do all summer, which is comedy and cigars, where I bring the comics along with some of the greatest cigar vendors. You know, um, we usually have give a, get, getaways, excuse me, to different islands, but this year we postponed it till next year, so it's really safe for everybody. Um, but just follow me. I have great things, and when Apollo opens up, I daily walk out to the street and give away tickets to the Apollo to random folks, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I love giving back. So, you know, if you're in the Tri-State area, look me up and uh, come on out to something. I'd love to have you as my guest. And to Seth and Larry, um, coming on your show and being a part of this, I wish you guys all the best. You know, if any way, you know, I can assist you moving forward. You know how I am. I'd love to give back and pay forward to assist you guys and make this show to another level, which is already on a great level. I'm all open for that. Thank you, guests, for tuning in and listening to my story. And hey, you guys, sky's the limit. Keep reaching for it. Man, my man. My man. Wow. Look, ladies and gentlemen. Can I get one shout out? I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm I got a shout. I got a shout out one of my comedy mentors, Mr. DL Hughley. DL oh, put me down. Yeah. Um, and I've been rolling with him for about the last five years. He is one of I've worked for so many super comedians, but DL is like my all-time favorite because it's such a family affair. And to break onto his team, I want to pay kudos to him. So thank you. I apologize for interrupting you. No, 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 no doubt. No doubt, man. And as a matter of fact, I would love to have both of you back mm -hmm. on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that'd be dope, man. Come on in. If if, if there's something that he'd be interested in, man, it's always enough I'll talk to him. in the day. You know what I mean? I'll definitely reach out to him. Hey, Ed, I'm going to try to uh, bring... Uh, Good personal friend of mine, Tommy Davidson, on your show as well. Tommy, Tommy loves you. Doing come, on, so, come on, come on, on now. Bring him on. Look, he got the connections. Bring him yeah. on. <laughs> connections. You know what, I'll definitely look, do that. Hey, but look, shout out, though, seriously, to you, Jess, man. I'll never forget the things that you've done for me personally and for everybody else, man. And just the fact that you have a, such a caring heart is not many out there, right? And with everything that's going on in the world, it's dope to have individuals like you to keep the party going. You feel me? So, but look, shout out everybody that's out there, y'all. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all yes. the mothers, y'all. Look, we're not going to have a show next week because, uh, you know, we got to take time for the mamas. You understand what I'm saying? They got a busy, busy job dealing with these damn kids and this virtual learning. You get what I'm saying? So we got to take time for them. But listen, we appreciate y'all. We love y'all for being on. So not next week, but catch us the week after that. Right on? Right on. Right on. Right on.